When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company. Like super woke. When I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be hired based on what I look like rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted based on my chromosomes. When I grow up, I want to be offended by my coworkers and walk around the office on eggshells and have my words policed by HR. Words like grandfather, peanut gallery, long time no see, no can do. When I grow up, I want to be obsessed with emotional safety and do workplace sensitivity training all day long. When I grow up, I want to climb the corporate ladder just by following the crowd. I want to be a conformist. I want to weaponize my pronouns. What are pronouns? It's time to grow up and get back to work. Introducing the number one woke-free job board in America, redballoon.work. Michael Thiessen here, and you are listening to Open Mic with me, Michael Thiessen. So this show is produced by Liberty Coalition Canada in partnership with ChristianWeek.org. Liberty Coalition Canada exists to establish Christ's justice and righteousness. It means we want to teach about what the Bible says about a Christian view of justice and righteousness and to defend those who stand. Uh, many Canadians, such as John Koopman, who we have on the show today, uh, do have legal battles, and we want to stand in different ways beside these Christians who are standing in, 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 in the courts. Christian Week exists to provide a practical and a hope-filled perspective on national and global issues. So if you haven't looked at that print communication, head over to christianweek.org. Uh, we we curate information there, and they put together uh, lots of great stories. Um, as I've been reminding all of you, as we come to the year end, we need to raise $50,000 before the end of 2023. Our chief litigator, James Kitchen, has been busy on all of our case filings, and so your immediate support is essential. Please consider supporting Liberty Coalition Canada, and especially the legal foundation, the, the, the legal defense fund, um, before the year end. So join us on mission and your year end donation to Liberty Coalition Canada can ensure that the torch of freedom continues to burn brightly. So with the intro out of the way and everybody considering to partner with us today, I get to welcome John Koopman, pastor of the Free Reformed Church of Chilliwack, BC. Uh, John, you guys just must love living in an area with with the name Chilliwack, like th that's got to be a source of pride uh, for you all in that in that area. Anyways, and we're going to talk to John today specifically about his battle and the church's legal battle uh, with the um, with the province of British Columbia. So, welcome to the show, John. Thanks for thanks for being on. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. It's uh, nice to be with you. Chilliwack is one of the I say the most beautiful places in the world. So, if you haven't been here, you've missed something. So. So, you know, just uh, I'm sure that uh, Tourism BC is going to be listening to this podcast. They're going to jump all over it and they're going to really want to share this around because they're so proud of us. But uh, uh, with with that endorsement uh, out of the way, John, what what is your local church been going through? And try to take our listeners maybe from zero to 100 that people will have heard your name. They will have been watching some of the articles with the JCCF, but 
what have you been through? When did it all start? And let's get talking about that. Right. Well, in, in some ways, I guess our story is similar to other churches across Canada, but in other ways, it's probably somewhat unique. It's a different province, but it's also a different situation. But uh, so in, in March 2020, we faced some of the same um, restrictions, I guess, that uh, other provinces face. But in some ways, British Columbia was quite different, and uh, particularly in regards to the churches, because while there were restrictions on the churches at some points where they literally banned any kind of in-person worship, the reality is, is that uh, the restaurants and the bars and the gyms during that period of time were, were consistently open with various health protocols, but the provincial health officer refused to give that same allowance, I guess you could say, uh, to the churches. Um, so, so that was the, the first you know, sense of injustice, I guess you could say. Uh, but even more concerning to us, of course, was that when the government started giving certain orders to the churches, we, we felt that they were, you know, intruding into the area where they ought not to intrude. Um, in other words, we're, we're okay with the government saying, you know, we have a serious virus and we can debate what that was like, uh, you know, till the cows come home. But the point is, is um, to give the church commands what they must do an authority which belongs exclusively to Christ, uh, we, we, we objected to that from the very beginning. And so we did have contact with uh, JCCF um, and uh, we, we very early in the discussion already decided to file um, a judicial review, um, which is a, a, re a request of the court to evaluate uh, the orders that are given by the government. So that was very early um, even before there was any enforcement from the government, we already had made that request and that had been filed. Now, what was interesting is, is that the government responded with, with uh, I guess, in an aggressive manner. Uh, I always say they, they like to pay whack-a-mole here. You know, you stick your head up, they give it a whack. Um, and uh, so it's interesting that after we filed that judicial review, the way the government responded to that was to make a request for an injunction against the three churches that were actually listed on the uh, judicial review. Um, so we were following the legal process, but you know, in spite of our concerns with it, they they responded aggressively. With there were many churches that were open during that period, but ironically, the the injunction, which was a as some of our pastors in Alberta experienced, they were thrown into jail because of breaking injunctions. That would have probably resulted in, in myself being thrown into jail, but in God's providence, the, um, the Chief Justice of British Columbia, he actually declined uh, that injunction. So that's unique in BC too. So they were never able to enforce that. That's probably the only reason I, I, I didn't uh, end up in jail along with some of my other brothers. Um, John, was, can I ask you yeah. for a few points of clarity on that one? So first of all, I think one of the major differences between British Columbia and Ontario was they were playing the numbers game all the way across the board. And so, you know, gyms were restricted to 30%. Like, like there was this, there was this consistent restriction <laughs> But Ontario never went to the point of saying churches can't be open. They they didn't go that they all you know the the they would go all the way down to uh, ten people max. Hmm. 
Did, I think that you actually, not only was there a discrepancy between what was open and what was closed, were the churches in Chilliwack actually told specifically to go all the way to closure? That, that That's an area that I'm not sure about. Uh, yeah, they, they were in the sense that they would allow you to have enough support staff present to um, to have an, you know, quote, online worship service. In other words, you could have your tech guy there and, and, uh, and you know, to record, but that was about it. In fact, there was one church in town who received a ticket here with, I think, five people were present. Um, you know, he was right. doing... It was, it was very restrictive. Any, any idea of meeting that wasn't just to shoot an online thing was ticketed. Uh, well, I wouldn't say that there was ticketed. That they, they, they did ticket the ones they discovered, if I can put it that right. way. And, and, and there were three churches primarily in Chilliwack that probably drew the most attention um, because of we were initially the three churches that spoke out against it, I guess, and the government was very aggressive. Like we had police presence at our church, I think for, um, I think over 18 weeks, um, there was police there every single Sunday. Um, yeah, and on that point, I think what you were explaining, and I just want to make sure I understand it correctly, what you were explaining was even before the mandates were in place, fully implemented, you guys, you guys made an application for review. Correct. And the response was now you're a public, now you're now you're aware. And so they actually specifically tried to make an injunction and started surveilling your three churches. So it's like, am I understanding that correctly? That it was that they would have put more of a restriction on you just because you spoke up publicly than they were placing on the other churches in the area. Am I catching that correctly? Yeah, it wasn't. It's it's a little bit more complicated than that, and in the sense that the three churches in Chilliwack were not the same three as were on the judicial review, but there were th- there were three other one in Abbotsford, one in Langley, and one in Chilliwack were part of the judicial review. But then there, it is true that the more uh, vocal that one was, and that was true of the three churches here in Chilliwack, the more aggressive the government became, and so we had police presence. All three of us did. It was. Uh, I know you might have heard of Pastor Jim Butler and Pastor Tim Champ. They they were also in, in our church. Those three churches had police presence. In fact, it was ironic because we used to correspond on Sunday morning of what the police were doing because um, some of us met at different times and we would give the heads up to the other church of when they would be showing up and who would be coming. And, and uh, it, it was quite interesting how that occurred. Uh, but yeah, they were very aggressive, like I said, against anyone who dared to uh, challenge the government, even in, in, in legally permissible ways, they were very aggressive against anyone who would uh, challenge them, and then even more so of anyone who would defy them. Um, you know, so they, they were very aggressive. So leaving out that judiciary, like, or moving from that, or, or mm-hmm. just, just kind of summarizing that, did anything come of that review? Like, did, did you get an official decision from the courts we did. Uh, it it was heard in, in t- March 2021, right at the beginning of March. And I think it was March 18, if I if I my memory serves me correct, that they 
They, of course, gave the same response as they have consistently in all the cases across Canada, that while it was a, you know, it was a breaking of the constitutional rights, that it was justifiable in light of the pandemic. That's basically the response that we we got from the court at that time. So and it was it was a really speedy response, right? You submitted that in March of 2020 and they got that immediately to you a year later. Like that's 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 really quick. Um, well, they actually they we filed the, if, if I look at the we filed the uh, review in uh, January of 2021. OK. And it was heard in March of 2021. March 1, 2, and 3, I believe it was. And we got the response March the 18th, so two weeks, which is ex very fast because that was at the B BC Supreme Court and it was heard. They pulled the, the big guns out right away. It was heard by the Chief Justice um, of the Supreme Court of British Columbia. And immediately they, they responded on March the 18th, basically saying, you know, the government was legitimate in restricting our constitutional freedoms. Um, so, okay, so you guys had journeyed then through 2020 already. Um, so the the games about injunctions against you and things like that um, that was ongoing prior to you uh, filing for this judiciary review. Yeah, you see, the initially um, our churches were actually quite more open than they were in Ontario all through 2021 or 2020 rather up till. I think it was November the 19th of 2020, we were allowed to meet with with 50 people. And not saying that chur the churches that were open were complying, you know, most most of the church were complying with that, with with, but it didn't draw any attention because there was an amount that was allowed. And quite frankly, a number of churches had many more than that, but they didn't draw much attention until they banned the gatherings completely on November the 19th. And then I got the first ticket December the 6th, um, and then we filed a judicial review January 21. So, but that was in the making for months before that already. Um, we were we were already intending to file that. It was just officially filed in January, but they had noticed that it was going to be filed much earlier, even before they were issuing tickets. So December 6, uh, 2020 was the first ticket that I received from the police. Okay, so it it was an actual it, 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 in actual fact it was a quick turnaround. It, 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 it I'm I'm glad for that. The the reason why I assumed it was a much longer time gap um, was be, because of how long the courts have been delaying on so many other tickets. Which again, this is what we're kind of talking about today is your your most recent appearance in court. So yeah. before we get to the most recent appearance in court. The um, the the judiciary review came back uh, deferred to the government, mm -hmm. and you had received in total. Then, how what what happened as you continued to meet, and and what's the total number of of summons to courts or fines the church mm -hmm. received or or threats? Mm -hmm. You were surveilled for eighteen weeks, so. Yeah. Maybe even more than that, because I did have in the end, I think I had 24 tickets. Um, those were not uh, interestingly, the, the government. One thing they didn't do is is as they did in Ontario and other places, I understand, is is start issuing higher fines. So every ticket had a twenty three hundred dollar penalty on it. So so I had 24. So whatever that the math does on that 50, 60,000. So considerably less than some of the other uh provinces actually because they never increased the fines on that 
Um, and the, my other two brothers, the, the, the other two ministers in here in, in, the, in Chilliwack also received about the same. So between the three of us, we had, we had about 75 tickets, I think. Um, so a and large that's similar, that is similar to the guys in Alberta where the tickets were very minimal, but the reason why they went to prison was because the injunctions were upheld. Correct. Exactly. And see here, the injunction never went through in God's okay, that's a good. And, and that's probably why I never landed up in prison, to be honest. So, um, well, so. and, and for us in Ontario, the experience was completely the opposite. Right out of the gates, the fines were ridiculous. Right. The, up to $100,000 right. and up to a year in prison. Right. I still have that hanging over my head. Right. Uh, I, I, two have been stayed and one yeah. uh, with a with a with a with Jacob Rayum, um, we, we, there's a bunch of us that got a ticket in the same area. That right. that's still in an ongoing process. But yeah. we, so we always had the large. It was yes. right out of the gate, big yeah. fines, uh, potentially prison penalty. Right. And and yet, um, there was there was. Nobody, even even Jacob, didn't get to the point of being thrown uh, in prison or being, uh, you know, being held um, uh, for bail without signing an, in, you know, w without right. signing an agreement not to break that. And yeah. so that that was a very different Eastern Western perspective. Right. Yeah. Um, it's interesting how all of these things. There was an escalation point for everybody, though. There was yeah. a there was a there was a moment of choice to you know obviously to stay open to stay faithful to the Lord. Um, it and people just don't understand how many of us were going through so many different things, but that shared experience of the police are watching me. Yeah, people are accusing me. And there is a there is a real potential for penalty here. Um, walk us through that. Walk us through just the day that you decided, or or a few decisive moments. Um, I think still many Christians do not fully understand what civil disobedience is like mm. and why we chose it. Can can you yes. can you walk us through that moment? and yeah. uh, a bit of your theological understanding about it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's probably, uh, you know, a very important point and perhaps a, a lesson that we need to regularly reflect on. I, I you know, our churches are, are led by a board of elders, shall we say. So we had a number of meetings during that time and, and roundtable discussions, if we can put it that way. And, you know, where we tried to lay out the biblical principles that were involved here. And uh, some of the ones which we uh, we felt we could not, you know, escape from, um, and and we shouldn't try to escape from any of God's principles. But you know, was the the fact of Christ's headship over His church, and you know, we we see many examples both in you know in the Bible and in church history where where the faithful saints have 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 uh, you know stood up firm against against those who have attempted to to overrule the church of christ if we can put it that way and and so we had that conviction very early i think i i'm not going to claim that it was unanimous um in my board of elders i wouldn't say that but most certainly it, it was most certainly the 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 overwhelming position and 
we we did that because we we said well if if you want to use passages about the authority that god has given to our our um earthly uh, uh politicians if we can put it that way they most certainly do, they they do have authority and and they do have a responsibility to to exercise that appropriately and uh, we felt that this was an overreach on their part. In other words, they did not have the biblical authority to to make such demands upon the Church of Christ. And so that's what it really came down to. And so it came down to a we obey God rather than man, as uh, as, as we we learn in Acts chapter five. And and then we've seen other examples of that. You know, the one striking one is an Old Testament example to to me is that, the, and I preached on it right in the middle of the pandemic and and. Um, as on Daniel, when you know, not not uh, uh, Daniel, when he was told that he was not to to worship or to pray or to you know approach God in any way, but only to the to the king. He he didn't he didn't write letters to the government. He even though he had a high government position, he didn't make appeals. He didn't file judicial reviews. He just went on and did what he always did in worshiping the Lord. And quite frankly, if the government would have left us alone. Uh, we would we would have uh, been content with that. Uh, we would have seen their ruling as, as an injustice, but in the same sense, we would have said, well, if you allow us to worship without interference, we're willing to just carry on and, and let it sort it out in, in history. But but they weren't willing to do that. So so those biblical um, precedents and, you know, commands of the Lord, uh, we, we had we had no quite frankly, we did the right thing, but we had no choice in the matter. We, you know, we, we, we were compelled to do so. And they still don't get that, to be honest. They, they still think that somehow they can, you know, intimidate or, or, you know, or impose certain things upon the church or upon us as their pastors. They just don't understand. I don't know if they ever will understand, and, and we shouldn't expect them to maybe, but they, they don't understand what actually drives us or why we do what we do. They, they, have, no, they have no understanding of it. Um, so that's the challenge, I think. For me, I, I have a file. I have a file in my. Um, I have a file in my filing cabinet that says um, some of the work I'm proud of. Uh, like just right. He, here are some gems that I'm really happy that I we spent time developing and and um, we created. Um, a plan for peaceful sacred assembly and tried to use constitutional language and scriptural language. And the, the four, the overarching issues we put down first one was very similar to you, John, the Lordship of Christ and particularly out of Colossians mm. where we're taught that Christ has supremacy over all things and that he might have supremacy, which is both that he, he actually is supreme over the king of kings. Like he's the king of kings. He is the he is mm -hmm. the supreme over the nations. But the text goes on to say that that he might. So, so we have this responsibility of also sharing that with the world that, by the way, you don't have this understanding right now. You ought right. to have the understanding. Christ is supreme in all things. And then um, the church's consecration to Christ where we just said, look, there's just way too much. There's way too much secular humanism in all of this. Like there's not another topic that we could think about where the church would just totally go along. It, you know, uh, 
where where else do we just say the social sciences get to tell us every social sciences don't spank or discipline your children no like we we don't obey the experts in that um and so we had this entire kind of section of just saying look like we might look foolish in front of the eyes of the world but we're we're supposed to trust christ in his word so we went and just talked a lot about that you know we're called to meet we're 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 called to encourage one another um the bible has very specific examples not to give us false witness that was a big one for me you mm. you, you you're you're right. trying to give you're trying to make compelled speech you're compelling my me and my wife and my children to uh give false witness about what we're seeing all around us so in all of this, I do agree with you. This is a conversation we need to go back to. And I just go back to that little five page document that we wrote a number of times, mm -hmm. because as Christians start maybe seeing this more obviously, when we get to climate change and when we get to the transgender movement, and now, you know, we've got Trudeau showing up and literally wearing t-shirts that says vaccines cause adults. I think they're starting to realize, oh, uh, the, these guys are anti-Christ. They are anti the Christian church. Right. And I think that's something that, that, that then when you're surveilled by police and when you are, um, you're handed a ticket and I don't know if this happened to you, but this happened to me time and time again, virtually every time I was handed a ticket, the police officer said, I, I don't agree with this. Mm-hmm. So we, we had that from some of the officers, um, you know, and, and we, we, we took the opportunity, I mean, to, to speak to the officers that, that would come, they would come often to my door, um, because I asked them not to bother us at church. And so they would come to my residence and, uh, and, uh, my wife probably even did more of this than I did would, would have extensive conversations with them. I think they, 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 uh, got a little bit scared of her after a while, but, uh, the, the point is, you know, I think in the end, this is comes down to an issue of worship, you know, uh, and, and let me explain, you know, I, I'll never forget the interview I seen of our premier at the time, Premier Horgan at the time, with uh, a pastor, and it was a question answer for the premier about COVID restrictions, and a pastor came on, and I don't remember the man's name, I've never met him, but he asked this question, he said, why do you allow this discrepancy you know, where, you know, businesses and, and restaurants and gyms and so on, where they're allowed to open with certain health protocols and you're allowed, you're allowed them to continue, but you completely ban the churches from even gathering together in, in any context, actually, not even outdoors, not indoors of any sort. And, and the, the answer of the premier was, was he showed the government's hand because he said this, and I, I don't quote, I try to quote him exactly, but he said something to this effect. We have chosen as a province to emphasize the economic activity of our province over everything else. And that was telling to me. In other words, he's telling me, he's saying, Pastor, you might have your religious convictions about who you're worshiping, but we worship econo the economy. And we worship, you know, the, 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 the financial well-being of our province. And you need to bow down to my God. And I'm not going to bow down to your God. And so it, it, that's interesting how I seen that. So, 
No, I agree with you. And and what people don't make that connection quickly enough is that, of course, we're told in scripture that, that you know, we, we cannot have two masters on the specific topic of money. Yes. But what people don't realize is that when someone says we're focusing on the economy, they are also saying your God is false. Yes. And we are, we, we reject we we reject wholeheartedly the instructions that God has given, and so it's like it's like in Ro- the Romans one passage, you know, added to the list of all of the things that someone who rejects God yes. is is they 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 actually worship the physical thing. They 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 worship the physical tangible dollar bill that they can hold in their hand and say this is. The only thing, because this brings comfort and everybody can agree that we want more of this. Correct. And so it, it is a form of idolatry as, you, as you've just laid that out. And so then when they're trying to give you the soft sell and appeal to the Christian virtue, the fact that the church was duped by all of that makes it all the more concerning. Like, well, just wait a minute. You don't agree with a single thing they're doing. Yes, they have God-given authority, but they've given you no basis that they are um, acting on their God-given authority. They're acting on their own authority, specifically undermining the Lord, which, of course, um, there, uh, there, there's this debate going on about Calvin's view of that. But his, his last section on civil, on civil government says it would be absurd to obey a government in the name of obeying God when the, when the government is not obeying God. Like it, 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 he actually uses the word absurd because you see how easy the family, the dollar, my job, wherever I'm compromising on truth here. Yes. I'm worshiping it. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and that, that became, I think, increasingly evident and, and has become even more, uh, clear today, and more and more people, I think, are are seeing that. Thankfully, um, I hope that it has a has had an impact on the way people think about these issues in in the future, um, because the the government is well, as you've alluded to, the the government's giving us direction in in many different areas of life, which are also contrary, uh, you know, to the law of God, and and that's concerning because. Where is this going in the future? We we don't know, but th- so I think this is um, a bit of a test for the church, and uh, in some ways, the church, and I speak in a general sense, failed miserably, um, with with some very you know few exceptions, um, but hopefully, in, in the end, uh, that that has changed the way some people have thought about it too. We know that tr- the truth will prevail. It, it it will eventually be be made known that one day, as the Bible speaks of, is that every knee shall bow before our our Savior, and so that's our our confidence and hope. And and see, the government hasn't realized that too. You know, they can give us fines, they can imprison us, they can they can do whatever they want. But the reality is, is that they they can't really take anything from us that is in, in any way important to us in the long run. Um, so that's that's. Uh, that's something they they haven't realized. They they don't they don't know what it's like to face people who actually have convictions, 
um, because they don't deal with people who have convictions. They deal with people who, who serve the same God as they do. And if they serve the same God that they do, then they take away their money. That's going to impact them, but it doesn't really impact us. I, you know, I can, I've said this many times. I haven't lost, I haven't lost, uh, you know, one minute of sleep over all the tickets they've given to me. And I just sort of smile and they think that that's going to in any way, uh, prevent us from, from, from following what God commands us to do. They, they haven't, they don't even, they don't even understand us. Um, so it's, 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 really it's one of the things that people don't understand. And I think this is really what you saw during the pandemic. And I hope this, I think, I hope a movement towards understanding the personal, the, the personhood of God in, in the sense of we, we serve a personal, jealous, loving, gracious, but, but I have affection for Christ. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I read right. the gospels. Right. I have affection for a man who gave his life right. for me on the cross. I don't have an affection for a religion. Right. My religion is my application of my affection for the God I serve, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is tantamount or similar to, you know, trying to lure a man from being faithful uh, to his family, uh, to, to being faithful to his close loved ones and say, well, yeah, like, look, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll give you a, we'll give you an extra can of Coke, just sell out that very personal relationship. Well, even more so we, you know, for the fear of the Lord and for the, the level of, uh, that the, that the Lord is as King, we go, no, 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 you, you don't, you're not getting it. Like this is Christ. And that's why I keep trying to keep, I keep trying to remind Christians. And I hope my podcast listeners understand this. All of these things gave us a great opportunity to share about Christ. When, a, when a police officer went for a walk with me for yeah. an hour and a half on my back 40 and said, why are you doing this? It's like, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Like, that's it. Like, I, I trust Christ more than I trust you, you, whatever name I wanted to call him in the moment or, or whatever name I did call him. Like you are never going to replace the greatness of Christ. And the more that Christians can understand that, the less they'll be tossed back and forth by bullies or, or intimidated, as you say, you know, they're, the more they just sleep at night and go, okay, well, the whole world's calling my names and okay, I got 50 tickets. Okay. Like whatever, we'll figure it out. Right. Um, because I have things right with, with the Lord. And so I really appreciate us kind of going off on that tangent, mm -hmm. uh, and a tangent only because I invited you to come on to talk very specifically about what's going on in court and yeah. what happened in the last week. Right. So John, tell us what you've been going through, even in the last week of court. I know the justice center for constitutional freedom has been representing you. We're very thankful for them and their work. Um, wh what have you guys been going through and well, what was it, it like? Of those tickets that I, I spoke of earlier, uh, you know, 23 or four, whatever it was, most of them have been stayed, which basically means the government's dropped them. And uh, they put one on trial in uh, the end of, I guess, about a year ago now, uh, in December, November, December last year. And they put one on trial. And it was an interesting experience because, um, you know, they, they used some of our, um, uh, our, our video that was posted online as evidence against us. And they wanted to play only a little part of it, of course, where I was speaking of the government. But 
our lawyers insisted that they play the whole sermon. So, so at one point, uh, my whole sermon was whole, uh, was uh, was presented in court. So I thought that was interesting, and it was actually quite a sober moment because all these these crown attorneys, the the judge, they're sitting there quietly listening for the whole to the whole sermon. Um, you know, so I just thought that was a very interesting part of it. But anyway, as a result of that, after hearing the an evidential trial on that one ticket, they determined, surprise, surprise, that I was guilty, um, you know, and uh, it, it gave me an opportunity to speak in the court because I was in the stand and, and they thought they would be finished with me in a few hours. But I guess they never realized how many things I had to say. And I noticed the judge was quite, quite charitable towards me. So I spoke quite a bit and went off topic and... Uh, I think I was on the stand for for about uh, a day and a half or something like that. So, so I, I managed to speak more than they wanted me to speak, maybe. But and maybe I I probably incriminated myself a few times, but that's okay. But in the end, I was declared guilty on two tickets, and then there's only there was only three other ones left. And in the end, so that's only twenty three hundred dollars, really not significant. In the end, we. Um, uh, they decided to do that. They allowed that to go through, and because they're filing two other aspects of the 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 defense on these, and it's not the best defense because we would have rather that the government would have just been brought to the conviction that their their orders were wrong and that the court came out clear on that matter. And they haven't done that all across the land. So, so but so there's two aspects. The one. It's an inter it's unique to BC again. Is we filed in a we filed an application. Uh, we gave notice that we wanted to file an application for an abusive process. In other words, the process the government followed in allowing exceptions to the order was abusive and non-functional. And we had reason for that that came out in our judicial review because we found out and and the the crown attorney made a mistake. I think he'd admit that to this day. He made a mistake to allude to the fact that exceptions had been given to the Jewish synagogue and all the Jewish synagogues in BC. And uh, so then our lawyer jumped on that and asked to see the correspondence regarding that uh, request and, and the approval of it. And so we received the emails that were between uh, one of the Jewish rabbis and, uh, and uh, the, the deputy uh, provincial health officer, Emerson is his name. And it came clear that there was just an informal request. Hey, can we meet on, you know, for our special season? And I, I don't begrudge that of the of our of the the Jewish people. That's not my point at all. I'm glad. Yeah. So so they gave them permission. But the point is, is that while giving permission to the Jewish synagogues, they virtually, well, they not virtually, they completely ignored all the requests that came from uh, the Christian churches. In, fa in fact, they you got a standard answer, you know, we're in a terrible pandemic, we don't have time to answer your question, and so, you know, we'll, we'll get to you later. And that's the only response we got. In fact, one church filed an official request, and the Jewish request was not even official, it was an informal contact that they signed to have between uh, the, the, the health officer. And, and anyway, that was, a, that was approved, but no Christian church was approved. So we, we're filing an abusive process, and we requested to subpoena uh, the Bonnie Henry as a provincial health officer, and that was declined by the court. So that now the court this week was about okay. Well, you're not allowing us to 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 uh, cross examine Bonnie Henry on the stand. We want to see all those emails that 
were sent to the government's office during this time, which in fact are a million emails apparently. And uh, so there was there was four days of court this week. I think they finished in three days actually. I wasn't there every day because I have a I have other work to do. But they were I think they were for three days this week, uh, where the government was opposing uh, this request. Uh, for these emails. So it was just about getting those emails, but we expect them to be very revealing um, because we expect them to prove our point that there actually was no real process to appeal to the provincial officer to change because it was never really, they never really answered the requests except the one from the Jewish synagogues. And they've never given, and you know how many lawyers they had in court to defend their position or try to stop this request for documents? They had five government lawyers for three days. There was two crown attorneys and three lawyers from the provincial health office there for this one obscure pastor in Chilliwack. Um, they They have the big guns out. And I said to our lawyer at one point, do you think they have something to hide perhaps? Is this the reason they have five lawyers here? Like you don't have five lawyers for um, some incidental thing. Um, they're they're pulling out the big guns on this one. Uh, it's very so. So just to repeat, and so I get full clarity. The most recent court appearance was just yeah. to have those emails released. Correct. And, and so. So it's interesting because we went we went up against a court case like this recently where James was in court and the we um the defendant Juan Porter was asked to um clarify her religious beliefs. And so this was in I believe this was just in discovery. So she attempted to read scripture to clarify her religious beliefs and the scripture she was about to read was just um a scripture referring to the leading of the Holy Spirit and how she right. she felt that that if she went ahead and did this, she would be in direct violation of the leading of the Holy Spirit. And she was told by the lawyer, you will not read the Bible in this discovery. And James is like, what are you talking about? It, she's a Christian. On everything that we've ever said, her authority comes from scripture. No, you will not read the Bible. So we had to we had to go through a process and I don't want to speak out of turn here where we either, I think we almost had to go back to court just to get the Bible read in court to define a Christian's worldview, a a religious perspective. And so again, folks, like just, can you feel the money burning from the government side here? Can you just, can you just feel the money just burn? And can you see who's motivated not to keep this going. Yeah, it's the little guy like Pastor John who has one lawyer and the Justice Center and doesn't have all of the money in the world. But guess what? The government does have all of the money in the world because they keep taking it from you. And and so, yeah, John, I'm really glad that you're bringing this forward because we're going to have to have a follow-up discussion as to how the further court proceedings go after you see this. But – Let's just close the discussion here on, so you were found guilty on the two, and I'm just assuming by what you said, you're found guilty, you paid the fine because you 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 lost, and so you paid the fine. You, have you, you've not gone through an appeal process for those two? Well, they, they, there was only one that I was declared guilty, but then 
in in negotiating they reduce the other two to participants so technically i could be done with all of this by paying four thousand dollars fine i could walk away okay so you haven't paid for those well, other ones because they're still so, in court so there's this abusive process is still so i'm right they they, okay. they, yes. they have not yet entered the 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 guilty verdict it's it so they have to because there's two aspects of the left yet one is this abusive process and the other is called uh a Jordan application, which just means it's it's been uh, you know an excessive time, um, you know constitutionally it should be eighteen months. And just the other day, it was three years ago that I got my first ticket. So so this has been in court for for almost three years or more. Yeah, almost three years because it was in court a little bit later. But the point is, is they they're also filing that application and they've requested the transcripts just of my court which the Justice Center has done to to file the, what's called the Jordan application about undue uh, delay. And just to get the transcripts again, guess who pays for that? It costs the, the Justice Center $20,000 just to get those transcripts. Um, and on that note, sometimes they try to put a gag order on those transcripts. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah. Which, which, which may likely come in this case. So okay, I'm glad that you clarified that because because you didn't use the word appeal i i i mm. i i i erroneously listened and thought okay we were on to a new one but no okay so you got charged now you're filing these two different uh procedures and both of them affect all all the way back to those original charges yeah and it, it so it'll also have an impact upon they they've moved my case forward, but it'll have an impact upon the other pastors that still have tickets here too. If that case is successful, obviously it's going to be successful in their case too. So they've given notice to the court, they're going to file these applications for all these cases still. Um, so that's, that's great. Interesting. But so people just, just as you're listening, you know, and, and you're thinking about who to share this video with, I think you really need to hear the joy of a, of a number of, of likely secular pagans who are very successful um, having to listen to Pastor John's sermon. God is, God is number one, we, we are told not to worry when we're dragged off to court that, 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 that this is a part of giving testimony to Christ. And so in that moment, you have to kind of hear the joy and like, <laughs> you had to listen to my sermon and then you had to hear this sincere joy of, you got, you're, you're hearing the word. And, and so many people failed to recognize that when we get our days in court, even all of the background back and forth with the lawyers, why are you doing this? Why won't you do this? Right. Should we apply for this? They come with the legal perspective, but many of many individuals in the legal industry don't have a, 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 a theological, biblical, moral foundation for the very liberties they want to fight for. So Pastor John gets to educate his lawyers. Those lawyers are interacting with the other lawyers. Then you go to court and you have a sermon preached. This was all because of an understanding that Christ is Lord of all, and we're willing to have these discussions, even if it means we're in court, even if it means we're facing obstacles. So John, I want to thank you for doing that. We definitely need to have a follow-up. For sure. Because we want to hear about you know what does do the courts put a gag order on the transcripts yeah uh, do they actually um uh do will they release these emails 
And again, everybody, listen carefully. When John's saying, do you think they have something to hide? Yeah, for sure they do, or else they would be handing over the evidence. And so we have to hold the government to account and we have to we have, we have we have to keep standing up and sharing Christ as we go. So, John, thank you so much for coming on, and I really look forward to talking uh, to you the next sure. uh, after the next court case, after the next experience, um, so that you can uh, help people understand what's going on in BC. Uh, what are thing? What's thing? What's it like in BC? Just end things off. What's it like in BC right now? Um, has there I don't want to say is everything back to normal, but, but is there, is there, is there at all a residual effect going on in the churches with, with what happened? Um, Tell us a little bit about BC just in general. (laughs) To be, to be honest, I, I, uh, um, I avoid most of this COVID discussion anymore because it brings back a lot of nightmares to be honest. But I mean, blessings and nightmares. So I, I can't say that it, it has much impact on the churches anymore, except I did, I am still speaking of it. And I still get, I just had an invitation the other day to, to, to speak for a, a, an organization here locally. So I'll, I'll do that. But it, it's not that um, it, you know, there, there's other aspects to the Lord's work in our churches. Obviously, there's the continual pastor care and the needs of the flock. And, and so I'm thankful to go back to my more than happy to go back to my regular duties, if I can put it that way. Um, not that that wasn't part of my duties. I'm just saying that my heart is, you know, with the, the ministry of the gospel and, and preaching, teaching and and providing pastoral care for the Lord's people. So that's where my focus has turned, most certainly in in the last little while and the last you know year or so. And I'm glad to do that. So, you know, and so it's not really having a day to day impact anymore. But it's there's lots of opportunities for education and further instruction. I think so. I, I think I think the nature of my question was more, hmm. um, because you saw what the government was willing to do during COVID, and because we see the government moving in the same direction on things like mm-hmm. gender ideology right. and climate ideology and all of their ideologies that right. that lend itself to the growth of the government and. Yeah. And lend itself to big, big restriction. Um, d- does your experience as that affect how you're pastoring people on a day-to-day basis? Does, does that, you know, has it hardened you as an individual in a good way? Has it softened you in other ways? Uh Mm-hmm. That you know, has it? Are you noticing the government being bolder, the provincial government being bolder about their indoctrination at the schools, simply because they got away with all of this? Like, it's kind of that nature. Not just not has this changed the trajectory of your ministry, but has this mm-hmm. changed how you minister and you perceive your ministry to your people? Yeah, I mean those those things those things were present already before COVID. I can say. Um, you know, if you if somebody would just do a Google search on on uh, Chilliwack School Board um, in your um, search bar, you'll quickly find all kinds of stuff coming up. And that that battle, perhaps Chilliwack is somewhat of a, a lightning rod where we have attracted um, a lot of, of of I don't want to say controversy, but there's a lot of tensions in this area regarding some of those same issues. And so so there there. It, 
the ministry is 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 multifaceted in the sense that you you know you have family ministry and dealing with particular personal struggles and stuff and then there's broader you know cultural things and 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 more expansive things i mean personally i'm called first of all to be a pastor of my flock that's my first calling and that's my main calling and quite frankly that that does keep me busy an awful lot um you know i i'm a sole pastor of my congregation we have about you know 300 souls here i mean that keeps me busy and i'm happy to keep busy with that so i have to be careful how much i involve myself in other things not that i'm not interested in them but the reality is is that um my calling you know, by the lord is 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 first of all to my own flock and then of course to my community and and to this whole world in that sense but um I'm also just one person, and so I have limitations as well. But so, so I think it's um, I have focused on the primarily the the pastoral care and instruction of my own people, because the key also for change is not me personally, but the whole congregation being active in our communities, so that we can impact people beyond our church as well. So, so that's that's sort of my personal. That's not the same for everyone, but that's where I am personally on the matter. So. No, I think it's I think it's great. And and the I don't know if it's the irony of what you said is that the reason why you came into this 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 conversation was because of being faithful at the local level. I, that is, again, a little bit of a misnomer that people misunderstand. They think, oh, yeah, yeah people were out at protests. No, like the, the vast majority of this fight came right to my sheep pen. Oh, yeah. Came came right to the gate. That's right. And I just stood at the gate. And you just stood at the gate and said, I'm the shepherd of this flock yep. and this is where we're going. Yeah. And so I, I, I think it's great that you're focused there, but I think it is also helpful for, for people to understand that these are the types of, of um, cultural battles slash gospel opportunities that do happen at the local level. Yes. But you have to be willing at the local level uh, to speak up and and to to share the gospel and to and to manifest the kingdom and stand your ground. So, look, thank you so much for coming on the show for talking about these things, everybody. Um, we are just so uh, appreciative of our of our faithful listeners. As things cool down, please make sure you continue to share these stories out so that there is a a memory of what has happened in order to inform us how we should walk, how we should live in the future. So thanks, John and everybody. Godspeed. God bless. Take care.